loves me, loves me, he loves me, this I know. He gave himself to die for me because he loves me so. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Wade. You just gave me an illustration for this morning that uh, you, you're going to look good in this one. And, and I am excited about this morning. Michelle said, you're really wound up this morning. I said, I'm, I'm just, today, I've got something that's going to be good. Chronological study of the Bible, Solomon wrote, but did not even this in his book. 200 years later, the Lord used Hezekiah to fix that. Can't stress that enough. That is so vitally important as we approach Ecclesiastes. Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. This proverb is in chapter 13, 24, and chapter 22, 15. And because of that, I almost just glazed right over it. And the Lord started impressing something on me, and this turned into something that I had not anticipated at all. So just follow along. It's going to be different than what you would expect. So if it sounds strange, talk to me after, because this stuff is powerful. I shared it with Dad on Wednesday night. He said, that's powerful. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. That's important. That's unimportant. Just like the child in Proverbs 29:15, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, it's not necessarily little kids. Ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You put those two things together, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Correction is valuable. Yeah. My sin nature does not like to be corrected. When Dave called that number immediately i knew this is the one with two tunes and i started reading the music and i started singing what i read and then you turned around and said i'm wrong did you hear how i answered i said you want to bet i was sure and i it's like all right lord this is an illustration for sunday school for this thank you i appreciate that the rod and reproof give wisdom this past week um we are Actually, it's this month of February at work. We are working on employee reviews. I've got two guys I write the reviews for. And without giving away company secrets, really, I don't write them. I, I, I do a rough draft, and then I give them to supervision, and they change it all, and then tell me this is what you're going to say, which is, that's fine. I'm glad that they, they correct it all. But I don't like it because I take that as they're correcting what I did. And so it's, I always look negatively on review times it's like they're just gonna they, they want me to do something so they can tell me what's wrong with it no the rod and reproof give wisdom the correction is a good thing i don't need to see it as bad i choose to see it as bad 
If you endure chastening, if you endure the rot, if you endure the, 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 uh, the, the reproof, God deals with you as with sons. God cares enough to correct me. As I was thinking on this this past week, being raised up in his house, I remember distinctly, do what you got to do not to get a spanking. That was my whole thought process. Do what you got to do not to get a spanking. And so there were things that I did, but I did them because I knew he wasn't going to find out about it. But I viewed the spanking as a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. If it was a bad thing, he would spank everybody. He spanked me because he wanted me to be corrected. He wanted me to, um, to become a better person in the world. There was one event. You won't remember it, but I remember like it was yesterday. He crushed me. just at, Not physically, but emotionally. He crushed me because the way that he responded to what I did, it's just like, man, how could he do that? And to this day, I remember it. He, he don't. But it occurred to me because of this. He was doing something good for me, and it actually succeeded because he did it the way that he did. He would not do that with other kids because he doesn't care about them the way that he cares about me. So in that case, the rod and reproof give wisdom. They're good things unless I choose to see them as bad. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? That's easy. Okay? It's easy to tell who the sons of Doug King are because they're the only ones he spanks. Other than that, at Park Ridge, we had kids over the years. Couldn't tell you how many. He never spanked any of them. You say, well, that's a good thing. No, it's because he didn't love them the way he loved me. I have to choose the way that I see what God is doing in my life. That's why God gave us the Bible. If the Bible is only about escaping hell. We only need one verse. Just one. We got 66 books. Three chapters a day. It takes a year just to read it, much less think about what we've read. All of that, every bit of it, is to help us have the abundant life here. It's, it's amazing the stuff that Scripture talks about just so we won't have a bad day. But we choose to see it as bad. Verse 8, if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, not every person in the world, every one of the elect. This goes back to John 3.16. Okay? Not everyone in the world is chastened. A child left to himself. God does leave the unnot elect to himself. This is hard to swallow. I got a um, an email this past week on uh, uh, one of the um, sermons with David wanting to know how that I was able to rationale what happened based on the text. And I sent it and I thought they're going to write me back and say that I'm wrong. That's typically what happens. Very few people agree with sovereign grace. Very few people agree with sovereign grace. He wrote me back and he said, you are right. And I thought, all right, does he know who he's talking to? No, he don't have a clue who he's talking about. He just, he said he found me on sermon audio. But 
the, the, the thing that I taught is the only thing that makes any kind of sense. Not everyone is corrected by God. God leaves some to themselves. God corrects us as we study the scripture. He shows us, hey, what you taught was wrong. This one is humbling. The Lord used Michelle to correct me this past week. And I'm going to say this out loud because it needs to be heard on sermon audio. I have stated several times I hate the sinner's prayer. I hate the sinner's prayer. I said it again this past week, and she said, why do you hate the sinner's prayer so much? I said, because there's going to be people standing at the judgment seat thinking they're going to get into heaven, and God's going to say, I don't know who you are. And I said, it's cruel for them. She said, but they're not going to go to heaven no matter what, because they're not elect. And I thought, why do I hate the sinner's prayer? Because it's not going to send anybody to hell that's not already going to go to hell. And I thought, I've been way too harsh on the sinner's prayer. If God wants to use it, let him use it. But I was of the opinion it never should have existed in the first place. And that's not right. Did I enjoy being corrected by my wife? No. But did it bring wisdom? Yes. And that's what we have to see. We have to see the correction as good. We have to see the correction as love. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. I respected Dad, still do, because I do know that he has the power to correct me. Now it's emotionally, not physically, then it could be physically, but I still know there's certain things you don't do around Dad, wait till he's not in the car. All right? But I, that's respect. That is respect. It's, it's not about, um, uh, it's about saying, this is something Dad's not going to enjoy. We had fathers of our flesh who corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Stop right there. Do we live because we're in subjection to the Father of spirits? Yes. But it's not the obedience that gives us eternal life. That's not talking about eternal life. That's talking about the abundant life. We have an abundant life because we are in subjection to the correction from the love of the Father. On the other hand, we can resist it. We can fight it. We can, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And we're living a spiritual lethargy. We don't enjoy life. And, and I, I, I lived this way for years. I was talking away a few minutes ago. It's like, I know that it takes the Holy Spirit to teach us stuff. But it's like, how in the world did I not figure this out 30 years ago? My life would have been totally different if I could have just understood this 30 years ago. But then i got to go back to God's sovereignty. If he wanted it that way, he would have made sure it got that way. It's so exciting to me that when I mess up, God still got it. I love that. It just would be so much easier in life. And we're going to get to this in a minute. This is not going away. We're going to, it'd be so much, life would be so much more enjoyable if we didn't make it so hard. My personal life would have been so much more enjoyable if I didn't make it so hard. For they barely for a few days, in my case 18 years, chastened us after their own pleasure. That doesn't mean they enjoy it. That means they did the best they could, which is what he did. But he, for our profit, or he actually gets the job done. That we might be partakers of his holiness. 
Holiness does not mean sinless, although there is a sinless aspect to holiness. Okay? We're not going to be sinless here on this earth. We're going to be sinless once we get into heaven. This brings us into sanctification. Holiness is reserved for God. As He corrects us, we become more and more and more reserved for Him. And in the equal proportions that we're reserved to Him, we also experience the abundant life. Let me say that again. The equal proportions that we are reserved for God is the, exactly the same equal proportions that we enjoy the abundant life. If we don't enjoy the abundant life, almost always, almost always is because we don't want to be reserved for Him in some area. Again, we're all foolish in some areas. There's nobody that's perfect. But once we release these certain areas and become more and more, say, God, whatever you want. I trust that what you're doing is good. Whatever you want, that's the more we can relax. That's the more peace we're going to have. That's the more abundant our life is going to be, regardless of our circumstances. No chastening for the present time seemeth to be joyous. It was not fun when Wade corrected me. It needed to be done. Because once we got to the chorus, I would have looked stupid, and he protected me from looking stupid. I appreciate that. It was not fun when Michelle corrected me over the, the sinner's prayer. But it needed to be done because a sermon audio, there's a lot of people listening that I'm never going to hear from. It was not joyous when at work they changed my reviews because I didn't do them just right. But as my reviews go into uh, history, if it comes up in court, then it's going to be a whole lot better in court because it was done correctly rather than a review that looks stupid. And the thing that we have to remember about reviews, even though we feel like they're not, they are very important in court, and that's why it's important to the company. No chasing for the presidency would be joyous, but grievous. No one likes it. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable, the abundant life, the enjoyment. It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith. The correction is what brings that on. It's a fruit of the Spirit, so only He can make it happen, but He uses correction to make it happen. Do I want peace in my life? I've got to look at the correction as positive. I've got to look at the correction as positive because He loves me. He's not correcting me because He wants me to have a miserable life. He's correcting me because He wants me to have an abundant life. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby or them that don't fight it. If I see everything he does as hurting me, when I turn 18, I'm out the door. You know what I did at 18? I kept doing what I was doing. 19, kept doing what I was doing. 20, kept doing what I was doing. 21, that's when I moved out on my wedding day. Why did I do that? Because I finally realized he's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to help me, doing the best that he can. The Father is doing it effectively. It's just the way that I look at it. Thy rod and thy staff, they cover me in Psalm 23, 4, which is what Ray read a minute ago. 
In case anyone doesn't know, this is the staff. It's got a hook. This is the rod. It's like a short baseball bat. They both, they both are important to a shepherd. Okay? The staff, which is what we're familiar looking at with the hook, typically what that used for. By the way, do you know what the hook is for? It's almost always used for one thing. A sheep is in a position that I don't want to go down there and get him, so I'm going to hook him around the neck and pull him up. That's exactly what that hook is for. He's down there in a ditch. I don't want to have to go down there myself, so I take that long staff with that hook, and I hook it around his neck, and I pull him up. You think he likes that? No, but it's good for him. The rod, though. The rod is mentioned much more in Scripture than the staff is. What is the rod for? Shepherds that have wayward sheep, they're constantly straying. And he's constantly having to bring them back. You know what he does to that sheep? Breaks the leg. Breaks the leg. You know what he uses to break the leg? The rod. That's awful! No, he loves the sheep in order to keep the sheep away from where it's going to get hurt. But, but that hurts the sheep. In the big picture, it helps the sheep. That's why he does it. If it was bad for the sheep, he would not have a sheep that produced what he needed it to produce. He does it because it is good. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Exodus 16, verse 1. This is what I showed to Dad. you got to watch this. I wish I had seen this when we were in Exodus. I would have taught it. They, the children of Israel who had just left Egypt, they had just crossed the Red Sea. They took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after the departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. This is the first thing they do wrong is murmuring. First thing that clearly murmuring is wrong. And the children of Israel said unto them, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full for he had brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Which came first? Complaining or hunger? Which came first? Complaining or hunger? I always thought about God made them hungry because they complained. No, no, they complained because God made them hungry. What did they do wrong to get hungry? Nothing. They had just crossed the Red Sea. They had done nothing wrong. Exodus 17 is, is very similar. Verse 1, All the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. What did they do wrong? You might say the complaining, but was the complaining really wrong? Would they have known better? Would we have known better? Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, which was the wrong response. But the thirst came first. Said, give us water that they drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And I submit to you that's exactly what I do when I resist his correction. Why would the Lord 
Let them get hungry and thirsty is the question. Why would the Lord let them get hungry and, th and ask the question of Dad? He's using his rod and staff to teach them. He gives wisdom. He's using his rod and staff to watch this. He's using his rod and staff to teach them food and drink comes from him, not resources. He wasn't punishing them. He was teaching them. He was correcting them. When Wade said what he said about the song, he wasn't punishing me. He wasn't trying to make me look stupid. He was trying to correct me. Same thing with Michelle. Same thing at work. It's not a bad thing. It's a positive thing. How does this bring comfort? If I don't look for the comfort, I'm mad at Wade. If I don't look for the comfort, I'm mad at Michelle. If I don't look for the comfort, I'm mad at supervision. And I've lived my whole life responding that way. Now they and we know that as long as we are seeking the Lord, we have no reason to be concerned about resources. That's what God was teaching them. God let them get hungry so that they would recognize when it's time to eat, He's going to provide it. Not the natural resources around us. Not we've got to make sure we're in a good place in life. No, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. And so he lets them get hungry to the point they think they're going to die, which, by the way, they were going to die. They thought they were because they had not experienced the teaching. They were never in danger, and now they know it. What will they do with the information? That's what makes the difference in the abundant life. Will we see God as our provider because he let me get hungry? Will we see God as my provider because he let me get thirsty just to teach me that I can trust him? Or will I do like they did and just complain more? If I am on the path the Lord wants me on, and that is the key, I've got to be on the path the Lord wants me on. God rarely shows us the far destination in our life. He always, I submit, always shows us the next step. Always. If I'm taking the steps that he's leading me to do, Tracy, don't answer out loud. Okay? You're having surgery Wednesday. Okay? Don't answer out loud. Is it something God wants you to do? That's the question. Don't answer out loud. Okay? If I'm on the path that God wants me to do, the rest is the shadow of death. The rest is the shadow of death. Ignore it. Folks, that's powerful. That is powerful. If I'm doing the next thing that God wants me to do, the rest of it is the shadow of death. There is no power in it because God is controlling everything that's going on in my life. On the other hand, I know that's the step he wants me to take, but I really, 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 really don't like that step. So I'm going to go this way. Now I'm in danger. Okay? Not of death. I'm in danger of correction because God's going to get me back on that path. Trust me here. Okay? That step we're going to take. Eventually we're going to take it. We may kick and scream and be miserable, or we could say, you know what, God, I trust you, and then just watch him take care of us. Maybe we're going to get thirsty for three days. 
There's no guarantee we're not going to get thirsty. Why should we? Was Jesus never thirsty? Doesn't say we're not going to get hungry. Why should we not get hungry? Was Jesus ever hungry? Why would we think we deserve more than Jesus got? Everything Jesus went through had a purpose, and I submit to you, everything we go through has a purpose. Thy rod, the rod and the roof give wisdom. That is almost always the purpose of the difficulty in our life. Unless I'm fighting, and the wisdom is something I bring it on myself. Or we can worry about it. Shadow of the, 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 the shadow of death. And I don't want to be in the shadow of death. Who likes the shadow of death? Okay. Don't we have a right to complain in the shadow of death? Wade's looking for a job. That's the shadow of death. What if he doesn't get a job? That's a scary thing. Who likes being there? God, why did you have to take my job away? Or, thank you, God, that you promised to provide for me. You told me to work. I'm trying to do that. Thank you for what you're going to do. Now he can relax, knowing all he's got to do is take the next step. The rest of it's a shadow. Doesn't matter. He can totally ignore it. God's going to do his part. If we trust in that, not trust that he's going to do what we want. You've got to have faith. If you have faith, you can move mountains. I'm telling you, that mountain's never going to move unless God wants it moved. I've got to have faith in what God wants, not faith in faith. Faith in faith produces nothing. Faith in God's guidance produces power. If I choose to worry about it, I'm going to be miserable. Guess what? It doesn't change. It's a shadow. It's exactly the same thing. Shadows cannot take form. Only emotionally, mentally, can we have a shadow that can hurt us. Let's pretend it's dark outside. Let's pretend I turn the lights off. And it's totally black in here. Would that be scary? Probably not for a minute, but we're about six hours. What about two days? It's like, oh man, this is going on a little longer. It's no more dangerous than if the lights are on. If the lights are on, it's exactly the same world. It's the same everything. It's just the lights are off. It's a shadow. Shadows cannot hurt us. It's the way we look at the shadows that makes a difference. It won't change the level of safety if we worry. It will change the level of comfort. It will change the level of comfort. Situation is not going to change. God's sovereign. He has the situation the way he wants it because that's the best thing to do. How we look at it is how much we enjoy it or how much we fight it. It's miserable. We don't have to be that way. I took this picture a couple of years ago. In fact, I took this picture when I taught Psalm 23. The leash on Shamu should comfort him. He hates it. Always pulling against it. Right now he's pulling against it. He's seeing something off the right. He wants to go chase down. Why should he feel comfort? He should trust me enough to know that I know what I'm doing. Does he trust me? There are some dogs that will do whatever you tell them because they trust you. There's other dogs that they'll never trust because they haven't been taught to trust. A lot of Christians will never trust because they've never been taught to trust. 
what teaches us to trust the rod and staff folks this is powerful especially as we're approaching surgery more than anything is a song that i i recommend people listen to this a lot i'm not going to sing it because I, I i don't know it that way but the words watch the words to more than anything i i i've I, used this before but man this is powerful I know if you wanted to, you could wave your hand, spare me this heartache, and change your plan. I know that you said you could take my pain away. But even if you don't, even if you don't, I pray, help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the Savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Help me, Jesus, want you more than anything. That is so, so true. We see it in the lives of others. We give people counsel because we recognize all you got to do is this, this, and God's going to take care of you because He promised that He would. But when it's happening to us, we're swimming in emotion. All of these feelings, it's like, I know what the Bible says, but man, it, it just feels like I don't, I don't want to be here. It's a shadow. It's a shadow. The safest place in the world is taking the next step, and He will always show us the next step. Remember that. He will always show us the next step. If we don't know what the next step is, that's why God gave us other Christians at church to bounce ideas off of each other. What do you think about this? Very rarely do we do it because we don't want to look like we have problems. If we don't have problems, what's the point of being here? Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Paul says, not that I speak in respect of want or need, for I have learned. How do you think he learned? The rod and reproof. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content or comfortable. Regardless of the circumstances, I have been taught to relax. I know how to both be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things no matter what i can be at peace i am instructed what instructs us the rod and the staff <clears throat> ease in life doesn't teach us to do anything but be easy no strength there the first time wade lost his job it was scary second time this is the third time, as I recall. Okay, when I first found out about it, so like, Wade, you're getting good at it. It wasn't a was a put down, wasn't a joke. It's like, Wade, this is something that you have learned to gain comfort from. Will he do it or not? That's between him and God. He don't owe me anything. But can he do it? According to this, absolutely he can. Why? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That Jeff doesn't just mean finally he'll get us to heaven. It's saying he's going to keep every single one of those good promises. All those promises that he will supply my needs, they're going to happen. Granted, it's only New Testament promises. That's important. We don't get to go to the Old Testament and pull a promise made to Moses and say, well, God said you were going to split the Red Sea for me. 
Yeah, I have faith God's going to keep that promise. He already did keep the promise, but not to you. So don't look for that to happen. Look for the promises made to us. Take the next step and just say, God, it's on you. Now, if he wants to break a promise, that's, we, we can go after him then. Never happened. Never. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is quoted so much among non-Christians. Non-Christians love this because they have been taught via TV preachers, all I've got to do is have faith. I have faith that I can do anything through Christ. It's not what it says. It says I can endure any problem with His help. Non-Christians to have no promises whatsoever, zero, except a promise of hell. That promise is coming true. But a non-Christian cannot do this. This does not say things are going to get better because obviously his situation is not getting better. He's saying, I don't need my situation to get better. Folks, this is so, so powerful. Ecclesiastes is going to be just the opposite. We are rushing toward Ecclesiastes. I know it feels like we're never going to get there. I finished chapter 29 in my preparation this past week. I began the next chapter in Kings, and Ecclesiastes will come very quickly after that. So we've got maybe a month before we're in Ecclesiastes. And it's going to be shocking at how different Solomon is. And I submit to you, it goes back to this verse and a lot of other verses that he left out. I think he left it out on purpose. Next, we're going to see what happens if too many children are left to themselves. Verse 16. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression is ceased. Yeah. This is simple math. Remembering what the wicked is, is people that don't seek Jesus. The righteous shall see their fall. Remember what righteous is, it's people who seek Jesus. This is not saved and lost. I'm telling you, saved people do this as much as non-saved people do. People that seek Jesus shall see their fall. People that don't see Jesus, transgression abound regardless of saved or not. I don't think this means they're going to get to witness it. Proverbs 21, 12, which we covered weeks ago, the righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. I think that's what this is talking about. They will see it. They will consider it. They will learn from it. This also is powerful. Not only does the rod teach me if it's on me, the rod teaches me when it's on him if I consider it. If I see Wade in his situation not seeking Jesus, I can learn the difficulties having can happen to me because he's not seeking Jesus. I know for a fact God's going to provide for him. God told him, you've got to work. You've got to work. Just do it. If he can't get a job, how's he going to work? There's only one way that he can obey God, and that's for God to give him a job. The job's coming. But you've got to take the next step, whatever it is, whatever direction it is. There's a reason the Lord says no. It's not because he doesn't want us to have fun. There's a reason, there's a problem if we go down that path. This is easy to see if we examine the lives of those who don't seek Jesus Christian or not easy to see 17 correct thy son and he shall give thee rest 
Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Exactly the same thought process here. Correction in our response to it. It's never too late to start correcting our children. It's more difficult when they don't have to listen, but wisdom can overcome that. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go or the way that he learns. And when he is old, he will not depart from it or he will not depart from him. He won't forget it. We discussed in chapter 22, this must be more than telling them rules. That rarely works. Find out how he learns and then use it at any age. And I submit to you, the rod and the staff are the perfect fit for each one of us. Perfect. You know what's working best in Wade's life right now? Not having a job. Yep. You know what worked best for me this morning? Singing the wrong tune. Do either one of us like it? No. It's not fun. But does it show us that God's going to fix us when the time is right? Does it show us God loves us? Can we then relax? Man, this is, it goes on. I'm, I'm out of time. Father, thank you so much for showing me this. Thank you for showing me that not seeing it before now is not my fault. I'm a sinner. I don't just see things. I can't see something in your word any more than a non-Christian can unless you show me. Thank you for showing me now. As you have given me this knowledge, please motivate me to take the next step regardless of the shadow that's around me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the privilege of sharing this with both the people in this room and the people on Sermon Audio. Please, Holy Spirit, motivate us, strengthen us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.